Welcome to Life Uninhibited. I'm your host, Kristen Messagy, Enneagram 6, Life Coach for Sixes. This episode is all about levels of health, kind of, a little bit. I end up talking about a few different things. I also share a personal story. This one was a mental workout, but it's here. I hope you enjoy. Hello, Sixes. Welcome back. For today's episode, my brain does what my brain does, which was give me an idea and tell me that it was going to be super easy. I had the idea that I was going to do a levels of health episode. I don't love the term health, but we're rolling with it. I was going to do the levels of health of six primarily as Riso and Hudson teach them. They do a shorter version of levels of health on the Enneagram Institute website. They do a much more in-depth version for each number in their book, Personality Types. So I went and I was reading through in great detail what happens to the six personality structure as we go, we start at the top and as we go down in levels of health. And it was so grim that I I just knew I could not bring that here in that way. There is the way that we teach things. And I don't, I'm not critiquing these teachers at all. I think they're incredible teachers. And I think their teaching generally does have a really good bit of compassion in it. I wasn't really getting that through this reading and nor is there really, and again, this isn't what they were trying to do in the book. So this is not a critique of the book, actually. This is just, you know, I'm a practitioner before I'm a teacher. I teach because I have to. (laughs) It's part of my job. But I'm a practitioner first. So when I'm teaching, I'm really trying to think through how does this stuff land and how can we help it land a little more gently and how is it useful? I just am not one who believes in consumption just for consumption's sake. So that's not how I want to teach. However, that's difficult. Like what I just said is really a problem for this kind of medium because I I can't just come here and say things, right? It has to all go through. And how this is so sexy. You can hear it in like the, you know, sort of the overthinking and the overworking and the over-responsibility to how things are landing for any random person with ears listening. So, you know, that's part of my struggle is how to get the information out and how to get it out in a way that I believe is useful uh, as least harm as possible and um, also trust, trust. This is such a huge part of growing as a six and as a business owner and a coach and all these things is I trust myself enough and I trust the people enough that it's it's all actually okay. So with that really long, intense disclaimer out and aside, here's how I want to approach this. I'm going to do 
kind of dig into how does this Enneagram stuff actually work? How do some of these pieces fit together? I want to introduce a concept called tensegrity. I'm just saying that now here. I'll talk about it in a little bit. And then I think I'm going to share an example of sort of descending into the levels because one of the things that I think is important to know too, the way that levels of health are taught is, you know, we're kind of existing at a level for the most part, most of the time. And to some degree, there's truth in that. However, what is also true is we can be hanging out at high average to healthy levels and something can happen to really take us down the um, down the rabbit hole, as it were. And the other way that I want to frame this is just to say, this is, you've heard me say it before and you'll hear me say it again. These are unconscious processes that happen. No one is consciously going down the levels and we can't consciously come back up the levels. There is something that we can consciously do and we're going to talk about it. Okay. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's that's good. That's fair. Okay. So I want to talk about the way that fixation and virtue and passion all fit together as well as holy idea. Okay. So each number has a passion, a fixation, a virtue, and is connected with a holy idea. So And all of this impacts or is reflected in our level of health. I really prefer the term, well, a couple different terms. One, levels of trance. Well, okay, let's do, I'm going to give you different frameworks for this and you pick the one that you like. So for one, I think of this as a trance. When we're in a trance, we are not in our conscious mind. This is not a necessarily good or bad This is just part of being a human is we get into various trance states all of the time. We might go into trance on purpose to influence our subconscious mind directly. We like being in a trance. It can also just be, you know, like I'm, I'm just zoned out, right? Like I'm not present here. I'm daydreaming. I'm in my own world. We might consider that kind of a trance state. When we descend into the different levels, we are just going into a trance state. And the thing about the Enneagram is it really reveals a lot of what's going on in these various trance states per each number. And what is remarkable about the Enneagram is the predictability in what you see in these trance states. These are not 100% across the board. As we know, there's a ton of variability within each number itself. However, still, even all that said, the way you can see a six or any number sort of move through the various stages is quite remarkable. And it's why there's so many of us using this tool and talking about this because it's 
fascinating that you can actually somewhat predict what happens for groups of people when they're under stress. Because that's the other thing, right? Is we go into these trance states when we're under stress, under duress. And then we kind of do our personality in somewhat predictable ways. Another way to look at this, which can be very, very helpful, is that of a lens. Suzanne Stabile says, you know, your Enneagram number is how you see, how you see the world. And I really like this analogy. So you can imagine if you have a lens in front of your face, that lens can be clear. And I imagine when we're in less entrenched trance-like states, our lens is very clear and we're able to just be in the world. We can see clearly and we don't have a bunch of stuff inside sort of mucking up the lens. And then as we go further into our trance, as we go down these levels and entrench more into our personality strategies, because what happens is that we feel really unsafe, we feel really scared. And so that starts to really build on itself. That lens gets foggier. Our view through it becomes much more difficult. It's like the fog gets thicker and thicker and thicker. And we are not seeing clearly what's in front of us. We are seeing what we're looking at, which is this dense, thick fog. And even that view of it really helps me start to feel so much compassion for every number as they go down the levels. Here's the thing. As numbers go down their levels, they are difficult to deal with. That's just the truth. There is no number that as it goes further down and the lens gets foggier and denser and more difficult, they become more uh, likable or easy to be with or whatever. The problem for us, and I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself here, is that as we go further down, as our lens becomes foggier and foggier, we are desperate for someone else to get us out. When we do not think we have the resources to do so. So, but but we also, as we go further down, resist the support that is actually in front of us because we aren't seeing it clearly because the lens is so foggy. Okay. So there's a couple different ways to think about this. However, it works for you. And maybe you have your own thing that came up as I was describing, either, you know, kind of going deeper and deeper into an unconscious trance and the behaviors that come out of that, or this idea of a lens being anywhere from very clear and barely there to extremely fogged up so thick you can't even see three feet in front of you. Like maybe just pull over when the fog's that thick type of thing. Okay. So four sixes. Our passion is fear. So what does that mean? That means we are oriented to fear or in our case, avoiding fear, right? We have an entire personality structure that is really designed to keep us from contacting our fear. Whether we see it and we're like, I'm just not going there 
or we're like, I'm not scared. And, you know, we kind of have the armoring up. Like, we just kind of avoid the fear in that way. The passion is fear, meaning all the behaviors and thoughts are an attempt to not go near that fear. And with that same thing, the other way that shows up is that we scare ourselves over and over and over. This concept of sixes scare themselves from Tom Condon. This is what it is to have our passion be fear. We're not like, you know, telling ourselves a great story over and over and over again. No, we scare ourselves over and over and over. So that's what it means when we talk about fear being our passion. Then the fixation is sort of like what we do to keep the passion locked in place, okay? So for this, our fixation is cowardice. And cowardice is a lack of bravery. As we've talked about before, when it comes to the Enneagram, this is not necessarily bravery in terms of going out and doing scary things. This is a very particular kind of bravery, and it's that of looking within, which I'll talk a little bit more about in a second. So our virtue is courage. So we have a lack of bravery to look within, and we need courage to do that. We need courage to look within. And now here, I'm going to amend some teaching that I've been doing up to this point, because I like had this aha moment as I was doing all of this reading and thinking and all of this this weekend. It is not courage to like go in and look at ourselves and sort of see what we're doing wrong, or really see something about us that is negative. This is what we're all doing already, right? Every time we take our view off of, you know, what might that person be doing wrong? Our gaze comes inside of ourselves and is like, well, you're the one doing something wrong. Let's look at how you need to be better. Let's look at how you need to work harder. So that is not the courage we need. The courage that we need, ooh, I'm getting emotional saying it. It's the courage to go inside and actually find our own resourcing, to actually find what we know, to actually find what we do well, to actually find what we do, I don't want to say right, but right, right? How have we to go inside and see, how have I survived this before? To go inside and see, how can I take a step forward here? What is the support that I might have in front of me that I'm not quite seeing. This is the courage that we need. It's actually the courage to go inward and find where we are already resourced and what we can do to take the next step and the next step and the next step. And as we do that, as we implement that, you know, Sixes, it's so it, it's we're like the cowardly lion from the Wizard of Oz. So here's this lion, right? That Dorothy meets. And he's like, I'm so scared. I have no um sense of myself. And they're looking at him and they're like, You're a lion. 
And he's like, yeah, but I'm scared. They're like, but you're a lion. Do you know what I mean? So like, this is it. People look at us and they don't see what we are experiencing with it. And so as we descend the levels, what we're experiencing is less confidence, more insecurity, more a sense that we can't, we can't do this. We can't possibly do whatever it is that's in front of us. Whatever our mind is projecting that's in front of us, our sense of things is saying, nope, can't do that. Need someone else to do that. But yet we're lions and people are looking at us like, what is happening? Especially when some of the compensations for this lack of sense of self, right? For this lack of confidence, this lack of uh, these sort of heightened insecurities, we compensate for those things in really aggressive ways is how a lot of this starts to come out. So as we go down the levels, it's like we alternate between compensating in aggressive and dependent ways. And as we've talked about before, yes, we're going to tend to use maybe more one of those strategies than the others. That's where we get the whole counterphobic phobic thing. But all sixes, as they go down the levels, will sort of flip-flop from this overcompensation of the lack of confidence and increased insecurity with back and forth dependent and aggressive ways to try to get other people to really save them. This is what we think we need as we go down, 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 down. Like I really need someone else to come along and do this for me. However, I want to finish, I want to finish this, whatever shape it is I'm drawing here. So as we employ courage, right? As we inject the virtue of courage internally, to find our stable sense of inner support, to find our resourcing, to find actually what we do know, what we have come through, all these different things, what automatically happens is we start to embody holy faith. And this is so important for me to say, this is true no matter what our various ideas and faith practices are. This particular quality in Enneagram language is a sense that I am em- I'm embodied with this faith that says I can handle what is coming. I can handle the next step. I can handle this next thing that's just right here. It's an embodied sense. And that's a, that's a natural outcome of doing what we've talked about, right? Sort of stopping the fear avoidant thing that we do, learning to really understand what cowardice is, that it's a lack of bravery to see our own resourcing that we have on board, that we have developed over these decades of being a human and making it thus far. And then using courage, grabbing a hold of our virtue and going within to find ourselves. And this is how we resolve our own anxieties and our own insecurities and then embody this holy idea that is faith that 
we can take the next step. Faith that we can do the thing. That's the, that's the picture here. So I want to hang out here for a little bit on what this embodied faith, what does this feel like? What does this sound like? I already gave some clues into what it sounds like. It's this, oh, okay. I'm going to take the next step. Oh, okay. I can, I can do this. I can figure this out. I can find external resources to help me. I actually can see the resources that are in front of me, right? This is what it sounds like. What it feels like is this combination of strength and flexibility. There is a word, it's called tensegrity. I learned this, one of my clients has this really cool certification in this bodywork thing that I, I don't understand it. I don't have the certification. Anyway, she taught me this word after a coaching call one day when we were talking about this concept of strength and flexibility or even sensitivity, we could say at the same time. And we have to have both of these characteristics many times, like in equal measure, we have to have both of these characteristics working at the same time to really create structures, be it our own body, our own sense of things, even external structures that can handle really hard things and not fall down. So you think of like an earthquake safe building. This is a building. It must be extremely strong and sturdy. However, it has to be able to shift and flex enough that when an earthquake happens, it does not collapse. So you can really practice what this feels like by imagining what that would feel like. You you can plant your feet on the ground and you can get yourself very, you know, you can make your spine very erect and tall. And so you're very strong. And then you can imagine a great wind coming. I also want to bring in, if you don't like the building, if you don't want to be a building, be a tree, right? A rooted tree is another amazing example in nature of this tensegrity where you have a tree that is rooted down deeply and it's tall and it's huge and it withstands the weather for crying out loud. Weather is, you know, a pretty intense thing. And so these, whether this building that's being shaken from underneath is able to stand or these trees that endure, you know, wind and all the things trees endure, they don't fall down. They don't crack and break. I realize sometimes they do. That's not what we're talking about. So this is a way for you to try on this idea of tensegrity, which is strength and flexibility or sensitivity. I really want to use the word sensitivity in terms of us humans, although flexibility also really works. So I just overthought that. You insert the word that you like better (laughs) as we talk this through. You could do it standing up. You can do it seated. You can really just even imagine it. Although I always think actually trying something on in the body is so important for us thinky thinkers. So here we are. You can do it standing. You can do it seated. Try this on. 
be a building, be a big old tree. You can imagine your feet flat and rooted into the ground and your spine extremely straight. You're sitting tall or standing tall. Your head comes back over your shoulders, shoulders down. You're just very tall and sturdy. And then imagine either, oh, I think you should, I think we should do it both ways because it really is different to imagine the sort of rumbling coming from below or something really trying to kind of knock us off from the top. So you can do it both ways. If you're standing and something rumbles underneath, what are the balancing things that happen to keep you standing? You know, what moves, what shifts to keep you here? And if you're, you know, something's coming at you like wind, what are the different ways that you can flex and move in order to stay upright and not fall over? What happens when sixes sort of go down the levels? And this is probably true for every number, but I haven't studied them like I've studied sixes. One of those two poles, strength or sensitivity, goes out the window. And you get this very, very, uh, you know, rigid, entranced, entranced, that's not the word is, you get suddenly this very rigid personality thing happening. For sixes, the thing that goes is the strength, the internal strength wishes away, and the sensitivity goes up. So we have this imbalance of strength and sensitivity. And it is not that the sensitivity is bad. It is that it's not balanced with an internal sense of solid, sturdy strength. And then we're trying to compensate for this, our inner strength not being online with all kinds of behavior that some of it can look extremely aggressive, but it is not coming from a sturdy, solid, rooted self, right? It's coming from fear. It's the cowardly lion like roaring, but he's roaring because he's scared, not roaring because, you know, he's showing you his might or whatever the heck. So in order for sixes to rebalance, it's that what we talked about. We go inside, we have the courage to go inside and actually find what we have to work with. And of course, there are ways to get help with that. You don't have to leave yourself there. This is what I do as a coach. So I help sixes go inside and access their own resourcing. Okay, to bring this home, I am going to share with you the anatomy of an argument that happened just last night. It's such a perfect example of what I'm talking about here. So of course, you can just extrapolate my example into any part of your life. Hopefully, you do that and don't, you know, just judge me. (laughs) Or judge me, whatever. The anatomy of an argument from last night, from my perspective. I could also break down his deal, but I don't, that's not what we're here to do. Um, Because mine is so obvious in hindsight. So here's what happened. I was really not, just not in a good space yesterday. And I knew 
that I probably mostly should just not really engage because I just wasn't in a good space. And I knew, you know, it would be fine. There was not really a problem. However, my husband asked me, how are you, how are you doing? And he knew that I wasn't having a great day. So he was really just checking in, um, not anticipating what came next. So I started complaining and I started, they were, they were like kind of big sweeping complaints about big things that have been on the discussion table lately, which we've been having perfectly fine discussions about. But because my internal state was very churny and very disorganized and I was just experiencing the, I started, I was starting to really have just like the swirl of angst and fear. I started offering my reactions to my emotions instead of my emotions. And I'm going to bring that piece full circle because this is what we do is we get into reacting to our emotions as opposed to feeling our feelings or sharing our feelings, complaining about things in all of the detail is not sharing our feelings. Okay, so I start saying, you know, I'm worried about this and I'm worried about this and this is this and it's it's getting bigger and I can feel it that it's getting a little bigger. And he's looking at me and it is not his first day uh, being married to me. And he was like, okay, interesting. And I can already feel his slight retreat from my energy getting bigger. And so then I unconsciously still react to his retreat by kind of going at him. So you can really, I hope, energetically feel this, right? So he senses what's happening here. And he's like, oh boy, here we go. So he retreats, starts to kind of put up a boundary energetically. And I'm like, oh no, that won't do. And so I go in and it, and it's just, it's just at this point, it's getting wonky, but I can feel my emotions start to become more intense. They're starting to get bigger inside. And so then I start, you know, upping the ante on how I'm trying to discharge these emotions because my own sturdiness is going away. My sensitivity is going way up. And I'm getting a little aggressive. And then he is like, we're not doing this. So then I pivot to this. Listen, this is just my real life. Okay. This is not fun to share, but it's fine. (laughs) I start to pivot to this sort of desperate attempt to like, why can't you just be more tender with me when you know I'm having a hard time? Why can't you just meet me in this other way? And then I become very tearful. And he gently but firmly is like, I'm going to go start dinner. And basically, we're not doing this. Which, you know, we could, I could get with a girlfriend and be like, that he should do better. He should blah, blah, blah. But like, no, I was not in a space where I was owning anything that was coming out of me in that moment. And he knew it. And that's fair. And he, anyway, we've been doing this a long time. So he goes and I have my tears and my brain is like, this marriage 
you know, it's basically dooming my entire marriage. And then I'm like, oh, you know, I was having a really hard day. (laughs) I am in a pretty bad spot. Hmm. Maybe I'm doing the thing that I've been literally studying all weekend. Maybe, maybe that. And so I'm like, oh yeah, there's probably something there. And so I think to myself, what what can I do? Like, what, what do I have here? And I think I'm going to go ask him, what do I need to do to get him to meet my needs in these moments? That's what I was going to go ask. And then... As I kept looking at what can what can I do here? What can I resource? Suddenly this like flash of wisdom was like, or Kristen, you could just be vulnerable with your feelings and ask for what you need, which is a little bit of comfort. So I walk out and this is the courage, right? Courage first to go in and like take my mind off the, your marriage is doomed and it was always terrible story. <laughs> and courage to say, okay, what do I actually have here that is working for me? And it's like, I can, I can reconnect. Okay, here's how I can reconnect. And since I turned that on, I got this other bit of wisdom that was like, or you could just go be courageously vulnerable with your feelings. So I walked up to him and I said, I'm having a hard time. I'm feeling really scared today. And I'd really like some comfort. And we laughed and he gave me a big hug. And I said, I see, I see it. I see what I did. And he was like, Kristen, it's fine. We're we're just human here, you know, trying to figure things out together. It's totally fine. Um, That is an example of all the way down, all the way down, all the way down. And then, oh, grabbing the, you know, unhooking from the fixation, the scaring myself and all the things, really pulling some courage in, resourcing myself, and then just being vulnerable human with feelings who is imperfect. And shockingly, that went over significantly better than my um, my attempts that were compensating and trying to compensating for my own anxiety and insecurity and attempting to like discharge this energy through an argument or whatever the heck I was doing. Okay, I really hope that helps. I really hope that example helps because that is not exactly fun to share. I really am okay with it. Um, But you know, I just really hope it's useful. (laughs) Okay, so that was levels of health kind of sort of with some other concepts thrown in. At the end of the day, I really hope that this idea that it any point along the line, our virtue of courage is available to us to grab and utilize to help ourselves find the resourcing we need to take the next step, whatever it is. It is never completely gone away. And as soon as we start to really utilize courage, our whole system comes online to support that. So that's what I hope you take away from this. And secondarily, my brain has a lot of thoughts about 
sharing that story in such detail. And uh, it's okay. I'm going to stand by the version of me that thought that was a good, useful idea. And I really am okay with us all chuckling at my sexiness because it's 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 alive and well. I also do want to share that process of that whole situation being about a 15-minute deal rather than a really big, long-lasting, painful deal took a lot of work and a lot of time. Um, we did not always have those skills for sure. So I just wanted to say that too. You know, these things, as we're really trying to grow in different areas of our lives, there is a process and there is time. And the real thing that I already said, but I want to say it again, is we can go on that journey. We can take the next step. We are never as lost as sometimes our brain offers. So please hear that from me. And that's it for this week. I will talk to y'all soon. Thank you for listening. If you've been listening to the podcast and you are curious about what it would be like to work with me as your coach, there is a form on my website that you can go fill out and we can hop on a call together and talk that through. Whether it's in the group coaching program that I have for sixes or one-on-one, I have space. I would love to meet you. I would love to have a conversation. So if you're feeling that itch, don't hesitate to reach out and I'll be back with y'all soon.